1: Welcome to The World in 10, a roundup of interesting world stories in 10 minutes using the expertise of the Times of London. I'm Cara Bentley.
2: And I'm Tom Harrigan. Today, being anti-woke is now protected in the UK. How? We'll explain. We'll
1: also tell you why some ultra-processed foods are actually good for you and why the new iPhone might not be. We want to introduce you to a man who may have set a legal precedent in Britain by making being anti-woke a protected belief in equality law. Here's the background. Since the murder of George Floyd, the term critical race theory has been much more widely understood. That is the theory that says racism is systemic in society, in its laws, in its education system, in politics, etc.
2: Yes, and in the last three years, some people have been chastised by people promoting that theory for saying anything that disagrees with it, maybe by pointing
1: to class factors, for example. And one of those people is Sean Corby. Now, Sean Corby was an employee at ACAS, which is a government body which, if you can believe it, gives advice on how to resolve disputes between employers and their staff.
2: And at around the time of the Black Lives Matter protest, Sean wrote a social media post on a work platform saying Black Lives Matter portrays white people as a problem and turns races against each other. He argued a better approach would be to follow the message of Martin Luther King, who said we should aspire to a day when people were judged by the content of their character rather than the colour of their skin.
1: Now, following this, a complaint was made by colleagues whom he'd never met and he was told by his employer that these views were not worthy of respect in a democratic society and told to remove them.
2: Sean took them to a tribunal and the Times Home Affairs editor, Matt Dathan, told us what happened. Well, he was able to prove that he held this view that he had stated on his workplace social media platform as a firm belief, in the same way as some of his colleagues who complained about The Post held their own firm belief of critical race theory. So he was able to say, well, your belief in that ideology is a protected characteristic under the Equalities Act. And so is mine.
1: Now, specifically, the judge referenced how Sean had a black wife and had many meaningful relationships with black people and said the claimant's beliefs relate in essence to the best way of eliminating racism in society and are clearly worthy of respect. They cannot be described as incompatible with human dignity or conflicting with the fundamental rights of others. We also asked Matt Dathan how this case might affect future tribunals.
2: Unlike criminal courts, judgments won't legally influence other judgments or other cases. But given that this is the first of its kind, it's likely to boost protection for people at work who believe that they are being silenced by their employers when they are espousing views that oppose critical race theory and possibly other views that are termed as woke. some pretty disturbing new allegations have emerged about one of the co-founders of pink floyd among the biggest rock bands of the 1960s and
1: 70s yes roger waters who's now 80 has been criticized various times in the past for comments about israel comparing it to nazi germany calling its treatment of palestinians apartheid and during a series of concerts earlier this year he wore what looked like it was a nazi-inspired uniform now we should say he's always denied being anti-Semitic, insisting he's against the Israeli state, not the Jewish people.
2: Well, more claims have come to light in a documentary produced by the campaign against anti-Semitism. Some of the people who worked with Roger Waters in the past appear in it and give various examples of him allegedly being extremely offensive about Jews. Most of those comments are too offensive to share with you. But one we can comes from an interview with Norbert Stachel. Now, he's a saxophonist who played with Waters and describes one conversation they had about family. He went,
0: oh, he says,
2: I can help you feel like you're meeting your your long-lost relatives. I'll introduce you to your dead grandmother. I can do a good imitation, an impression of a Polish peasant woman. And he puts on this impression of an old hag. He makes his voice a certain way, kind of like a slapstick insulting way someone would think a person of no education and low class would speak and talk. What got me is, after he does this, he goes, Now you've met your grandmother. How do you feel now?
1: Now, Roger Waters didn't take part in this documentary and he didn't respond to the producer's request for a comment. The Times tried to get in touch with him. Again, he didn't respond. He is still performing all over the world. And in fact, he has a show at one of the UK's most prestigious venues, the London Palladium, next week. The campaign against anti-Semitism's boss, Gideon Falter, told us that shouldn't go ahead. It's
2: absolutely appalling that the London Palladium are happy to have him at the moment. You know, we've written uh, yesterday to Lord Lloyd Webber, who owns the Palladium and Live Nation Events, which is putting the event on.
1: The London Palladium also hasn't commented.
2: Well, we're about halfway through today's World in 10, so I thought it was time for a little snack.
1: Tom, what are you doing? You do know that one of the first <laughs> rules of radio is basically don't eat in the studio.
2: I'm conveniently ignoring that because I'm hungry. You've <laughs> Got a bag of crisps here, potato chips, of course, as our American friends know them. Not good for me, but very tasty. They
1: are pretty tasty. Well, without trying to lecture you, we've known for a long time, Tom, that crisps, chocolates, and uh, pretty much most other treats are bad for us because they've got lots of fat, sugar and salt. And in recent years, this group of foods has had a label slapped on them, ultra-processed food, meaning essentially they have a lot of additives and other ingredients that you wouldn't add to the recipe if you were making them at home, like preservatives and sweeteners.
2: Suddenly, Cara, I'm not feeling as hungry as (laughs) I was. Well, ultra-processed foods are the work of the devil, depending on who you listen to. In fact, back in 2014, Brazil's government told people there to avoid them entirely – But now there are calls for a bit of a rethink because apparently the idea that everything ultra processed is bad is wrong.
1: Yeah, leading nutritionists here in the UK now say there's a risk of throwing the baby out with the bathwater because there are some foods that fall into this ultra processed category, which can actually do us a lot of good. Confused, Tom?
2: Slightly, and also now still hungry. Yeah,
1: well, Professor Janet Cade, a nutrition expert at Leeds University, is going to try to clear this up for us with the example of the humble carrot.
0: If you just were going to eat that raw or boil it yourself, that would be in the unprocessed group. But if you then eat tinned carrots, that's going to be processed. And then if that carrot is chopped up and packaged in a ready meal, that would be in the ultra-processed group. However the nutrients in that carrot will vary very little indeed. So actually processing can help us to preserve nutrients. Now many ultra-processed foods are energy dense and nutrient poor which I think is where People are heading towards understanding that. But unfortunately, the classification that we have around processing puts wholemeal bread and fortified breakfast cereals into the same category as those sort of higher fat, sugar and salt type of products that we might tend to think of as ultra-processed.
1: And the Times' science editor Tom Whipple has gone through in great detail exactly how something is classified as ultra-processed, and you can gen up on his very good explainer on the Times website and app. I've no idea frankly if gammon comes under that category, but that was one of the favourite childhood meals of one David Beckham. There's a new Netflix documentary about his life coming out next week, and the Times journalist Matthew Syed, who's met the footballer's family, looks ahead to the show on the Times with a really interesting piece including a picture of David Beckham eating gammon and you can read that with a Times digital subscription Now the new iPhone has one teeny tiny problem, it's not a big thing, it's just a small thing. You can't touch it.
2: Pardon? What? What do you mean you can't touch it?
1: I just mean, at points, it is literally too hot to handle.
2: Okay, not great for a piece of high-tech equipment that you literally have in your hands.
1: I mean, it's one rather expensive way to keep your hands warm in winter in your coat pocket, but you are right. And we've been speaking to Mark Selman, the tech correspondent for The Times, to understand what is going on with the iPhone 15 that keeps heating up.
2: In particular, it's the users of the high-end models, the iPhone 15 Pro and the 15 Pro Max. And they say that their devices are overheating sometimes when on charge, and also just through ordinary use. It's somewhat confusing the experts who believe it could be down to the new design of the iPhone, which is using titanium, uh, which doesn't dissipate the heat as easily away from the device. Apple itself is not responding officially, but they may have to provide a software update to change the processing, maybe downgrade it a bit. But at its worst, they could have to issue a recall, which would be a bit of a disaster for them.
1: Well, after that, I'm off to find a pair of gloves. One way of getting around it, I suppose. The World in 10 is back. Hopefully, cool as a cucumber tomorrow.